0: Hello, welcome to the Creative Writing Life podcast. I'm Justin Sloan,
1: and I'm Paul Zeidman. And I'd like to say hi to our sperry, ver, sperry uh, very special guest. Our very what a great way to start. I'm I a feel sperry. Bro- yeah. I was going to say I'm a very I'm a professional broadcaster. Uh, our very <laughs> special guest, uh, Tony Farina, also his pen name A.R. Farina. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, Tony, welcome to the show.
2: Hello, thanks for having me. Very excited. Love the show
1: great great our pleasure uh boy this guy writes a lot Uh, i mean i was going going through your bio i mean uh, books comics plays he's also he's also a podcaster too we're going to
0: get into all that in just a minute but first justin yeah so stuff we've been watching listening to all that Uh, i just finished blood sweat and pixels i don't think i've talked about it yet on this show i don't remember if i have but uh it's by jason schreier and it's how do i talk about it it's yeah, yeah. you did talk about it last week. How are you it? Okay, well, I finished it now this week. Ah. And, uh, yeah, so it's great. It, it goes into The Witcher 3, a bunch of indie games, uh, Diablo, all the stuff like the makings of and like it's more into the details and talks about Star Wars 1313. And so, yeah, so last week I had started it and now <laughs> I have finished it and I highly recommend it.
1: <laughs> excellent fantastic uh well we as a family we went to see barbie last night I, uh, and i gotta say that was, it was i went in trying not to know anything about it you know i've seen all the 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 write-ups about it but i've been trying to avoid uh, spoilers and i gotta say, it was very well done uh do, you know if you had told me you know six months ago you know first you know i knew there was going to be a barbie movie but it was going to be such a phenomenon and that people were going to say it's actually really really good and it's very funny i was like what <laughs> do you got to be kidding me but no we really enjoyed it i was really surprised at uh very impressed with how well written it was and i think i mean the acting was great and the story was very you know, original i just i was i just can't get over how much uh, i enjoyed it so yeah highly recommended wow excellent Are uh tony anything i your side?
2: say yeah um well i'm a, i'm constantly reading i'm a big reader i'm actually finishing um I'm listening to the audio version of Lightbringer, the sixth book in Pierce Brown's Red Rising Trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he wrote three, and we thought it was over, and then he just kept going. Um, so I'm listening to that, because that is, I've listened to it the whole time. The, the Every version I've listened to, the narrator is Tim Gerald Reynolds, and he's really good. And I'm actually Yay. rereading um, this uh, Jillian and Mariko's uh, This One Summer. Because uh, I'm going to do a friend has a, p- a band book series that she puts out in October. And we're going to cover um, with Tamaki Cousins this one summer, which blows my mind that that's a
1: band book. So that's what I've been doing. What, what is it nice. about it that makes it band?
2: Well, um, I don't know. Have you ever read it this one summer? No, I'm not familiar um, with it. Yeah, it's, um. well, you never know with people. So, you know, it's a YA uh, graphic novel. So it's, they, there's these girls, they're like... A year and a half apart. So it takes place during that time when that age, that year and a half matters, you know, like 15 and mm-hmm. 13 and a half kind of thing. So um, but they kind of spy, they're like in a summer town in Canada and uh, you know, they're swearing and there's talk about pregnancy and uh talk about Lesbianism and what you know, just it's just like teenagers being teenagers. It's really truly just this one summer. It's a very slice of life, but it is a like a coming of age story too. And like, how do you stay friends through that two awkward years kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just lovely. And they're cousins and they wrote they wrote it together. And I so it blows uh-huh. my mind. I don't really know why. It's just a beautiful book. And uh so when my friend who does the series put that out there, I'm like, oh, well, that one, because I'll be on there. I'd love to hear because she does the research and then tells us during the show what. All the things my my assumption is the language and the talk of sex, because, you know, teenagers apparently have never had sex before. I didn't oh. know. I mean, I guess this is new to me.
1: And if if they do, then uh, <laughs> it needs to be banned. Do they? Does she ever get to talk to the authors themselves with if the, given the opportunity? She
2: she has tried that before. Um, I don't know that that she managed to this year, but actually on the one the show that I am I am on. Um, somebody I interviewed on my, my show, uh, the graphic novelist, Brenna Thumler is going to come on with us. So she'll interview a graphic novelist, but she has yet to be banned. So there's still
1: mm-hmm. hope. Yeah. still hope. Okay. <laughs> Worthy goals indeed. Uh, yeah. Okay, so, okay. So Tony, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, I was reading your bio and I think it's a fascinating uh, story about how you became a writer. So if you could kind of talk us through that.
2: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've, so I'm a teacher um I but I started reading at a really young age and I was just kind of like a weird ADHD I was undiagnosed uh, but I was just kind of like a weird loner kid who liked books and talking to myself and whatever so I just read and read and read and then you know as kids do the more you read the more stories you want to tell you know like when I was reading the Narnia books when I was in kindergarten which I was five wow. and so yeah. you know at some point in time you're like, well I could tell a story and I, they was you know they were bad but you know you're just kind of always telling stories but by 12, Mm-hmm. Um, I actually wrote wrote my first play, which was bad, but my seventh grade teacher liked it enough. Um, it was just fun, and so then, so I've never really stopped writing. But you know, I also am, you know, raised by farmers and pe- small business owners, and being a writer wasn't like some nobody said, you know, what you could do for a living. You could just mm-hmm. do that as your job. So of course, I became a teacher, which is a thing that a lot of us do. Um. And so yeah, I just I have done lots of freelance work. I like in college, I I wrote for papers. And then after college, I wrote like, you know, small town newspaper like covering the local baseball game, you know, like the things that we all do when we're trying to write. And like I got paid twenty dollars to sit at a baseball game <laughs> of watching not my own children play, you know, things like that. Um, and so I just kept working and working on it and um you know, then I had kids and and as you do, you know, you just kind of, I, but in the background, I was always writing stories and writing essays and doing things. And then um, I got my MFA and really kind of cracked the ability to write a novel because I was really more of a short story writer, plays and poems and writing songs and stuff like that. And then, um, and then once I learned how to write a novel, now I'm like trying to figure out how to, somebody asked me to add a short story to a collection and I'm like, oh no, I've forgotten how to do that. So how to write be- a short story. Yeah, just because I'm so in novel space now, because I sold oh, this okay. series, so I'm constantly writing novel. Like, now I'm always thinking, when I, until I finished the first novel, I thought I could never do it. Mm-hmm. And now that I've cracked the code, it's like, okay, I got to stop that line of thinking. Not everything can be, I don't have 100 pages to get to, the, you know, to, to reveal that. I have to do it in 10 or whatever. Oh, so. wow. Yeah. So-
1: yeah. <laughs> so how did you uh so okay so uh, for those who are doing the video portion of this podcast you can see that the background for you is your novel uh Welcome to Mansfield uh, yes the Austin Chronicles book 1. So okay so what is that about? And also I, I have to cuz there's book 1 in the title that implies there's going to be more books. There will.
2: Yes. Um well so it's a I'm a big Jane Austen fan. Um okay. my wife my wife's a librarian um so books are our jam our poor children (laughs) um uh one of the youngest though totally became a medical lab scientist she was like screw you people i'm not (laughs) she reads books though. she likes books too like you know we we one of the big family events when they were younger we took them to see scott westerfeld the young adult novelist do a reading like that was a big family outing for us that's what kind of dorks we are so um anyway so uh, we're big janeites i love jane Austen and um mansfield park is just a book that I think is misunderstood and people think oh, it's long and it's boring and she's not exciting. And all of those things, I guess you could argue, but I've, I studied that book during my MFA as a character analysis. And I was like, it'd be fun to see if I could turn it, in, set it in now, like have it be, what would that be? And so I wrote it just as a one-off and kind of as a, as a cheeky thing, just for me and my wife added um, Easter eggs for other Jane Austen characters. And I put a shared universe. And then um, My publishers, Four Horsemen, pu- they only do series. That's what they do. Oh. And so as we, my wife and I were just talking, I'm like, well, I sort of did this. What if I just retold all six Jane Austen books, but in a connected universe set in the now? And so like, try that. So I pitched them and they, my publisher, who no- normally does like more romance and science fiction, they don't really do this kind of thing. But they were looking to make the move into just kind of more, you know, like slice of life. YA as opposed to like, you know, science fiction, teenagers who saved the world, YA, which is great. And I would love to read those. But so luckily they said yes. And so um, the second book is at the editor right now and will be out next year.
1: So is, is it just going to be two books
2: total? or It'll be art- six. I'm doing oh, all six. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah, I'm doing all six of them. So this was Mansfield Park. And then the next one is that my version of Sense and Sensibility. Okay. And I'm working on my version of, of Pride and Prejudice right now.
1: Wow, that is fantastic. Uh, I'm gonna let Justin uh, take over because I, I want we've got so many other things to talk about.
0: Sure. yeah. yeah. so so going back a step. So is this your your first novel you mentioned? Well, it's the first
2: novel I've had published. Oh, um, published. I, I wrote a novel so for my MFA program, and previously, like the only other thing that I remotely considered a novel was like uh, I wrote a bunch of short stories about the same character. And so I tried to pack, like when I was in college, that was like, just a pro like every so often I would like use that character to kind of deal, you know, as my own little therapy, (laughs) like we do. And um, so I kind of worked my, through my stuff through using this, using this character, using her. So I do have that collection out there. It's probably not very good. Uh, I haven't read it in a while, (laughs) you know, but uh, it's very, it's very nineties. You know, I went, I graduated from college in 95 and you can tell. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that was the question was, uh, like, if somebody was going to start writing right now, let's say they're 23, just graduated, whatever, taking a little time. They're like, I want to write a novel. Uh, How much writing do you think they need to do before they publish based on your own journey?
2: Oh, well, that is, (laughs) man, it's hard to say, you know, because I think you when you crack it, that's the that's the language I use for myself. When I'm working on a new novel, I'm like, I'm not a plotter. I'm a, I'm a Mm -hmm. contemplative writer. Like I take a walk and I ride my bike and I talk to the characters and I do those things. Like I have full on conversations with them in my head. I'm like, what about this? And I try to figure them out. And they, I play music that I think they would like. And every book has its own soundtrack. Mm -hmm. So then once I crack it, then it just rolls. And so I feel like for anybody writing a book, unless you feel that, like you feel that, Oh, it's, this is it, you know, then keep writing and it's okay to write and write. I mean, don't, you don't want to do like wonder boys and have the hundred thousand Page novel that never ends, but you definitely want to, you know, you want to write until you feel like, till you are happy with it. Not and not like Mm -hmm. the imposter syndrome that all of we authors have, and like I hate everything I do. But like, till you're happy with, like, this is I feel good about this story. Like I'd be comfortable handing this to my friend and say, "Read this, I did it," and be proud of it. And that's when you know you're ready to try to publish it. Is when you are proud of it. So that's the best thing I could say. But I mean, what Ray Bradbury said. You know, after I went to college and did everything, I went to the library, and that was my when my real education started. So that is always mm-hmm. the advice, is to read, too. You know, never give up yeah. on reading, because I think, you know, I mean, I'm retelling one of the greatest writers in all of English stories, but, you know, I've got my own individual, you know, my non-Austin stories that I write, too. And But you have to read. You know, you see what the craft is, and what are somebody else doing, and what's an inspiration I can get, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Tim Gerard Reynolds uh, narrated one of my series, but it was written back in like 2016. And so I'm very scared to go back and listen to it. <laughs> I know he would do it justice and make it way better than it probably sounds on the page. If, your mind He's amazing, right? Yourself. So did you get to yeah. meet him and, and talk through with him? Oh. Never did. No, no. But I got to listen to a little bit of his voice reading my book. And that was awesome. I was like, oh! That must have been really cool. Fan, sure. Yeah, He's yeah. so good, right? Yeah. On that note of going back and reading your own stuff, I'm scared. <laughs> uh, so, what was your your publishing journey like though? Like, how did you find these publishers, and did you query like crazy before? Oh my God, dot. the exhaustion.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, like, my master's thesis, which is still not sold because it's a standalone book. It's this because this is listed as a YA book. The Austin Chronicles are because it takes place at a college, so it's kind of that new adult, YA, adult, YA, you know, YA crossover area. Yeah. Oh, man, like years of that, years and years of being told no. Um, Right. uh, You know, like, oh, and then they'd be like, oh, they do a full request. Because for people who haven't queried before, you know, you just send 10 pages. You're like, oh, I spent four years on this, and here's 10 pages that are supposed to represent everything. So, yeah, I queried, (laughs) I did a lot of searching for agents. Um, I got a lot of nibbles on agents, I got a few nibbles on some independent publishers. And then when I—that's why I was just writing this. Welcome to Mansfield, just for me. I had no; I was just doing it to do it. Because so like well, this is—I got to keep writing. Because if I'm just getting these rejections, it's easy to get weighed down by being told no all day. Mm-hmm. So I just kept writing to keep to keep myself busy there. Because you could just send ten queries a day. Um, but yeah, so it took me several years, and that book still is yet to be published. Um, I did get one offer on it, but I didn't when I read the fine print on the contract. It was not something that I I felt comfortable with you know with the ownership of things so and I know it's like beggars can't be choosers but I made hopefully the right decision long long term for that book um but yeah so that's this publisher a friend of mine um she's an actor and writer herself Tanya Todd the one who's hosting the band books show she's the one who sent these to me because we actually have a different essay collection coming out um I have a where we've myself and some friends, we've put together a collection of essays on comic books, which I know mm-hmm. this is this is your jam. And um, where my argument is as an English teacher that comic books are literature. And so my thesis was we could prove that. We could set out and prove that. We could tell all these different ways of like making direct connections. So like my essay is proving that um Poison Ivy is um, inspired by Rappuccini's Daughter by Nathaniel Hawthorne, so I make those connections. And then other people did different things. And we kind of—it's called comics lit. And this publisher, my publisher for Horseman, has a nonfiction wing. So as I was looking through their stuff at their nonfiction wing, as we were pitching this collection of essays, I saw this. So it's—it's it's totally because of something else that I came across it. And um, and then when when I queried them with this, I queried another small independent publisher, and they both wanted it. Um Sweet. but they came back first and said they'd buy the whole series and the other one was only interested in the one book as a standalone. Um and so that was cool. It was weird, like when it,
0: you know, when it rains it pours kind of thing. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And I love the uh the cover art here. So I'd love to hear about that journey. Like how once you finally got your publisher, what was like the editing like and getting the cover? And did you have any say in all that kind of stuff? I did. Yeah, they're pretty good. Um,
2: so this cover Jen Kotstick is her name. She's a graphic designer who did my cover. Um it was very important to me that the cover, because Jane Austen has a very, you know, straight white girl thing. <laughs> you know, like some people think those all the movies are straight white girls. Um, and I wanted it to be that anybody could read it and feel like I could be the lead in a Jane Austen male, female, regardless of race. And so I wanted to make sure that the cover didn't have an actual picture, that it was this. So mm. I... I wrote it up, like when you submit your book to them, you kind of say what you're thinking about. And then Jen, the the artist that um, I was like, I wonder if she could take a whack at it. And she sent me like three or four different options of this, uh, uh, different versions based on kind of my visual, my, like my written description of what I'd look for. And um, this was like, she sent this, what you're seeing, what the actual cover is in, in one of her first first runs and I was like, wow, she's like nailed it. And so now yes. that she's gonna work, I'm gonna work with her for the rest of the series. And so it'll be more like a, so everyone will kind of have the silhouette of the main character. So again, no race, you know, you, anybody could be that character. And then the backgrounds will be different depending on what they're doing. So that was cool. And editing, um, Poor Horseman's thing is it's your book. Mm-hmm. We are gonna be essentially copy editors and give you suggestions. So mm-hmm. there's there was nothing that wasn't like there was nothing that I had in there that they said no to. There was nothing in there that they were like, oh, this will sell better if they are. Their whole push is it's your book, tell your story. We'll just make it look as good as it can be. But it's never one of those, you know, like you're reading a book and you're like halfway through, it's pretty clear that some editor got in the way and you're like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. Or and you're in the third book and suddenly it's taking a turn that, that feels a little forced. You see that in movies all the time where you yeah. can see the studio, mm-hmm. they, they stay know? out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, no studio notes at all. So they gave me a few suggestions. Um, but for the most part, it was just like copy edits and stuff. So it's, I'm really lucky in that regard. Um, you know, and I know that also means that there are small to middle-sized publishers. So it's not like I'm getting the, you know, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to be in Oprah's book club or Reese's book. You know, I don't have that. They're not going to get that. You know, I'm not, it's not one of the big four, Uh, but that's why they call themselves the four horsemen though, is because they're bringing forth the publishing apocalypse. That's their, that's their thing. So um, (laughs) I really appreciate it though, because I've talked to other writers who've had to make really big concessions, um, you know, to get their books published. And I understand why, you know, so, and it's probably because of them that I felt comfortable saying no to the one place who looked at my other book because I felt like, oh well, it's got to be another publisher out there who's who's on un- doesn't want me to make this kind of change, you know?
0: Yeah, really cool. Um, and then, uh, what have you been doing in that regard of you know, obviously not going on Oprah or whatever, and doing <laughs> her book club, and but uh, you know, podcast right here. Uh, what no. else have you had to do? Have you gotten to do book signings or book readings or? Are you, what to promote yeah
2: I've done I've done a couple of podcasts so far um DC Gomez had me on you guys thank you so much again. I'm just so thrilled um, I'm gonna do another one next week who's a friend of mine I've been on a couple of other friends podcasts so they've been great to me and like ha- being out there and the forefront um I actually just um, in in the first week of November or excuse me first week of October I'm gonna be in upstate well not upstate in the in the Hudson Valley part of New York. Um, at Mount Saint Mary's College, being a keynote speaker and doing a week on um, on creativity and creative writing up there at Mount Saint Mary's awesome. College, so that's going to be super cool. Because um, I, I, they're a sister school from where I work. They're like, so I know somebody there who's like, hey, we need somebody for this thing. You're a writer. You want to come do this? We'll pay you. I was like, what? Yes, you did. I was gonna do it for airfare and a cookie, but if you're gonna send me money, I'll take it too. Um, and then I just my publishers trying to set because I live in Florida. It looks like they may be doing something in like around Christmas time, and then uh, the college where I went to up in Michigan, I'll be going to be back up there to for a family thing in September, and they're gonna. Um, I'm just emailing back and forth. I may do an event at like where my college library was, my college town. Yeah, so. Trying slowly but surely, it's hard, right? People are like, we don't know who you are. So I appreciate you guys taking a chance. They're like, (laughs) but that's what your show is. That's what I love about your show. You're just like, you aren't, I did get, I heard back from one person, you know, you're sending out all these queries to be on podcasts and one person wrote back and said, oh man, your book sounds cool. And this was the thing, you're not famous enough to be on our show. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. Thanks, well, you're really helping.
1: Well, if I was yeah. on your podcast, I would be famous, right?
2: So. Exactly. Thanks, thanks for that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> my gosh, that is crazy. Uh, I want to get back to the comics issue. Uh, yes. First of all, uh, I'm assuming longtime reader, and here's the inevitable question: Marvel or DC or independence, I guess. Well,
2: have- that's a great question. So as I'm holding my Batman mug,
1: so, <laughs> okay. um, and I
2: have a, I do have a uh, Tim Drake Robin tattoo. Oh wow. So DC, but my first comic was a Green Lantern um uh I, it was the one with the demolition team on the cover uh, that was the very first comic I ever bought and then um then I kind of went crazy going to flea markets and everything so I'm I'm equal opportunist DC and Marvel my my cousin was a big X-Men fan so I love the X-Men of course Spider-Man's awesome uh I, like Kitty Pride is is great everybody loves Kitty Pride. um you know in that Weezer song when they sing about that you know, like in the garage you're like do you know me am I are you singing my life in the grass but um but I love indie comics. Like, that's my show is about indie comics called Indie Comic Spotlight. And so um, I read the original um, turtles when they were, you know, still like, I don't know, I had them in my hand, like a reprint or something in the 80s. I got those. And I was like, this is crazy. You can do this. And then Don Chin did a knockoff of them called Adolescent Radioactive Black Belt Hamsters, which I loved. And uh, I'm like, again, you can do this. I didn't know these were things. So after that i really got into indie comics and i was you know end of high school early college at the image revolution Mm -hmm. so to see that indie comic change and you know i always call karen berger saint karen because she gave us vertigo comics so um Mm -hmm. i would say i read indie comics the most but i still i still love my superhero battles who doesn't you know who doesn't want to watch you know a good smashy smashy fighty set, you know especially with the art and superhero sure, comics sure. so good so, yeah
1: so so uh so the thing is that okay so um because i uh you mentioned a different pie i thought it was comics in motion or comics is...
2: in motion is the network
1: yeah oh okay. yeah and so okay. my,
2: we all have different shows on there so mine's the so indie comic spotlight is on the comics in motion network so there's okay. like mandatory marvel and dc there's a show and there's mm-hmm. like star wars comics and canon is the show and sure. then the comics in motion flagship is where they watch movies in the comic books read the you know and do both so it's like there's a bunch of different shows on the network so yeah we are part of comics in motion for sure if you want to hear me you'd go there but my every thursday i have an indie comic show
1: okay so uh so for someone who's maybe more familiar with marvel and dc stuff they want to start kind of dipping their toes into an indie comics is there a title or maybe like an um maybe like a graphic novel that you would say, okay, this is a good starting point. Or if, if you like, you know, if you like the X-Men, you're going to like this, you know, this other lesser known title. Is there, uh, what would you recommend? I mean, if you, if you got one or several, you know. Well, if you're looking for superhero stuff, um, I definitely say, you know,
2: like what IDW is doing right now, they've got a lot of really good um, uh, superhero team stuff. Uh, they're trying to like, cause IDW kind of started as a, um, you know, as more like a, a existing IP, like mm-hmm. they did Ash versus Evil Dead. And those are all really fun comics, but they're starting to bring in some some comic book writers. I think Scott Snyder's coming over there and mm-hmm. they're bringing in in some of that. But uh, honestly, if if you're not sure where to start, I would truly go back to those early image that, you know, those were like some cool super teams. My favorite one was always Will's Protekio's Wetworks. That's a limited run too, because he he had to quit for personal reasons. So mm-hmm. that's an easy one to do. Like Savage Dragon is still running. So oh if you gosh. want like it's still going. Eric Larson is wow. still, I think he's like in the seven or eight hundreds by now. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Um, and that is really still funny. It still brings a lot of that. It's like, imagine if the Hulk were a dragon, but also a police. But he was like a cop before he got turned into a superhero, but he just stayed being a cop. It's like really silly. But it it knows what it is, so that I can't, is still I can't going. believe
1: that's still, because bu- I got those like I because I was in college when those came out, and I yeah? think I have like the first three years worth, and then I just like no, I just lost interest. But just yeah. to hear that it's still going, that is amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I I think that's a big that's big fun. Um, you know, I think I really do dig what Boom Studio is doing. Um, now with that they bought the, and I know this is superheroes, but they bought the Buffy verse. And so they're rebooting Buffy and Angel and Firefly. But but what they've decided is that Buffy and Angel, the original series, still exists. So it's just like they got way ahead of the multiverse before everybody else wow. did. And so that's pretty fun. Like imagine Buffy with the cell phone. So that's interesting because it changes the dynamics there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do tend to like, some of my favorite indie comics are not superhero indie comics. Like I Kill Giants, uh, which is about a little girl who's, yeah. You know, which is is a heartbreaker, and I love that book. Obviously, Mouse is is a great one. The Sandman from Vertigo, um, is really good. And you know, DC, DC does have a good line of like their dark their darker comics. You know, their their black label uh, stuff. It's hard to tell. It, it's hard to know where to start. Hmm. It's hard to know what you like. Like a friend of mine, he is game. So I was like, "Ooh, let's read uh, Cowboy Ninja," like, and he read it, and he was like. Really hate you that I said yes to come on your show and talk about cowboy. He had never read it before. And that is about that is a really commentary on the superhero genre because it's about people who have been mentally manipulated to become to have dissociative identity disorder. And then they have to fight crime and fight each other. And it is really clever and fun. And it is like a comic books. It's a love letter to superhero comics while also kind of deconstructing it. So Matt mm-hmm. run is over. So Cowboy Ninja Viking is a is a great book too.
1: Excellent. Justin, any more questions?
0: Oh, um, well, I'm just curious. Have you ever been to Comic-Con? I recently went for my first time. So as a comic lover, I got to ask no the big one in san diego no i've never been yeah. um i grew up in
2: michigan near chicago and so my dad okay. was from chicago so we i used to go to chicago con all the time and now there's like chicago con and wizard con at the same time so i spent a lot of time at cons in motor okay. city con in detroit and chicago and the chicago con in detroit and in and, and chicago and um so during the big image revolution i was there for that one like there were like lines out the door you know and like todd yeah. mcfarland that, that was like he had his funny car like he got into race cars and so like the the spawn funny car was there it was crazy so i've been to those but i've never been to san diego how was it justin was it amazing oh, it was, Yeah, it was
0: it was, a, it was it was pretty epic uh like i i think we talked about it on the show briefly recently but it was it was a cool experience to like meet up with people that i know and just kind of hang out and like form those bonds you know stronger uh in terms of like all the panels and all that stuff. I'm like, yeah, conference is a conference. You go and you hear somebody talk and it's cool. And like, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I couldn't get into the big ones because you got to wait like four hours to get into the big hall stuff. So the Hall H or whatever. So I was just like, I'm not going to do that. I'm like, come on. I don't wait longer than 15 minutes at Disneyland. I'm not going to wait four hours for some <laughs> random dude to talk to me. Come on. Did you, like Artist <laughs> Row, right? That's still, there there though? Like those are, the, that's yeah, always the most fun. Yeah, walking through there. Uh, and that's I went so with my cool. buddy, who will probably be on the show real soon, and he knew everybody. So I'm just following him around. And he's like, "Hey, hey, hey, here's Justin. Hey, 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 here's Justin." And so it's, it's pretty epic in that regard. That's as so well. cool.
2: Yeah, uh, my friend, so- my friend of mine and I, uh, we when we went to Chicago Con years and years ago, we were in line. Like I don't remember who we were waiting to see, but like standing over here is there's this guy with his portfolio and his indie comics, and he's like from Wisconsin, and he's like, "Here, you got to check out these books." And he's showing us all this stuff. It's fucking Mike Barron. I don't know if I can swear on your show. Sorry. I just did. You complete me. Mike Barron. And he's like showing us original statues of Badger and Nexus. And you're just like, holy crap. So he was still just young, hungry, Mike Barron. And, and it was so cool. So those are always the best is when you just like wander through the, the tables. And then you're like, oh, I met that. Like Jill Thompson was there, you know, drawing delirium and, you know, doing well before the, you know, she... Did, you know, with all of her her dog stuff. It's like crazy. Yeah, that's so much fun at those places. Is there yeah. a way,
0: a recommendation from you for people who feel like they need to know everything about comics, but don't know where to start? Uh, your podcast, other avenues? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, I do think like, so for me, the indie comic
2: show, because we kind of, we come in it. We I do a little explanation of what the comic is. Uh, there's a friend of mine, Paul, who's the one who did Cowboy Ninja Viking with me. He has a series called Superheroes for Dummies. Which he, it started with he and a couple of his friends, they, they would actually answer questions and like literally break down like, so Paul is the dummy, he doesn't know anything. And then Dan knows a little bit and then Steve, they call him the nerd Yoda, he knows everything. So people would send in questions about whatever. So they did like one on the Robins, like all the different Robins. They did one on Batman, they did one on um, like the difference between, you know, Shazam and Captain Marvel and they did all those. So it's like his website, I think is superhero or superdummy.co.uk because he's British. That's a cool place because he does all of that. Um, there are some really good um, podcasts though that are out there uh, about this. you know. So it's it's always just a good place to search. But I would start with Paul and so because he does the superhero for dummies and then um, he, he does a lot of fun stuff there. I, I just think the problem is, right? It's so overwhelming now. Everything is in the middle of an arc and they're rebooting a thing and all of that. So if you have a library card, go to the library and just pull something off the shelf right or get hoopla digital the hoopla digital app and read it on your app because then it's the artists get the money because they bought the book or they check the pay the check like hoopla each time you check something out on hoopla the artist gets mm. the money do that and then just try something and then it's risk-free to you they got a few dollars um uh-huh. it's hard to know where to start
0: yeah 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 we read a lot on Comicology and Kindle Unlimited and we have uh the library app and so my kids just plow through a lot of these uh, things recently. I keep catching them reading weird, like romance ones, and I'm like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Archie books are still going though. I don't know how old mm-hmm. your kids are, but the Archie's still really good. Like it is
2: really yeah. impressive how nice. how relevant it stayed, and it's good to keep them reading the real
0: Archie as opposed to watching Riverdale, which was yeah. <laughs> I'll try pushing them toward it. We'll see what happens. Uh, I've tried before, and they're like, "What is this? It looks old." And nah, they're into <laughs> uh, webtoons especially lately, so those are uh, fine. yeah yeah for sure for sure uh, i got nothing else paul back to you
1: no i think that's it uh so mm-hmm. okay the website is arfarina.com uh so tony or anthony or ar he goes by so many names. so many
2: names yes <laughs> professor yeah. at my job yes. yeah oh
1: wow okay there there's that too Amazing. and, the book, and yeah. the book uh welcome <laughs> to mansfield the austin chronicles book one is that available now or is it? it coming is out soon? it came out no it came out in may Came out in May. Fantastic. And when is it? And you said book two is.
2: It's called it comes out in the end of April or April of next year.
1: April of next year. It's already okay, but... in
2: the public, the editors. It's mm-hmm. in their hands. And then my collection about uh, I wrote a, a critical essay on Judge Dredd. That's out. Through Secwart, but I have a new one um, that I'm in a moon night collection oh, that's wow. coming out by the end of the year. Yeah.
0: Cool.
1: And mm-hmm. are there other places on uh, social media where people can find I'm
2: on, you? I'm on, I mean, I'm on Instagram and um, that's the place I do the most things. I have a Facebook page, but I don't do much. I don't do much. I, so social media, I'm not great with it, but yeah, Instagram is just AR Farina on Instagram. And you can that's link that. through my website and you can sign up for my newsletter. I write my, my monthly newsletter is an essay because I can't help myself. Like a lot of people's newsletters, like here's what's up. I do that at the end, but I like, here's the thing that I want to talk about. So I'll write like a 500 word essay and I send it out to people I'm like, you're welcome. Here you go. So far, no complaints. But if you want to get a random essay about stuff for me, you can find it. You can sign up on my website.
1: Fantastic. That website again is arfarina.com. Tony, thank you so much. This has been great stuff. Thank you. This is, I'm
2: just honored Thanks. to be, I'm just, I'm just thankful to be here. I'm thankful to be nominated <laughs> and honored to be
0: chosen.
1: Well, you're very welcome. <laughs> this has been great stuff. Justin, take it away.
0: All right. Well, once again, uh, listeners, if you can leave reviews, that'd be awesome. Go check out uh, Tony, Ar Farina's work, uh, the book. We'll, we'll link it to the show notes, of course. Uh, authors always love reviews. So hint, hint. Uh, and hint, once again, uh, <laughs> this is a Creative Writing Life podcast. I'm Justin Sloan. You can find my books on Amazon. And I'm Paul Zeidman. You can
1: check out my screenwriting blog, Maximum Z, at MaximumZ.blog. I'm also on Twitter, and I'm never going to call it X, uh, at Maximum (laughs) underscore Z, and my Instagram, at Pez Screenwriting, P-E-Z, Screenwriting. Like he said, he's Justin, he's Tony, I'm Paul. Thanks for listening. This has been the Creative Writing Life Podcast. Make sure you stay safe, stay healthy, and most importantly, go write something.